Let's do it. All right. So what's up? Bam, Nicole, we're live. What's up? How's it going? We are rolling. Um, I got Devin with me. How are you doing today? I'd say on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm like a 9.2. Okay. That's really pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. yeah. Soon pretty good. How you doing? Doing good. Trying to stay alive in the midst of school. Because <laughs> his school is going to kill him. <laughs> Treading water? He goes or? to ninja school. Yeah, just a lot of reading. He goes to Lots school now. So that's, hey, he does. He does. Yeah, that's it's a lot. New. It's a lot harder than what he grew up with. That's new. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, technically, I'm online. So. Sundar's. Sundar's day used to consist of waking up and going. I have to get to the kitchen now. <laughs> now it's like I have to get to my computer now, yeah. which might be located in the kitchen still. But it sometimes is what I have is. to move to the kitchen because I get bored of sitting in my bedroom. Mm. <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> Way to persevere for the year. Commute. <laughs> sometimes, every once in a while, I'm like, man, I should have been homeschooled and then i meet homeschoolers and i'm like nah um so there's i that. like all the homeschoolers i know i like them a lot i like them a lot i uh, just wouldn't want to be them um, <laughs> and so here we are so here we are we are, are we talking about character we today? are gathered here today uh to talk about gifts of grace uh versus callings um so if you haven't listened to it there's a really good podcast called the rise and fall of mars hill um, and the podcast starts off with Mike Cosper asking the question of why does this keep happening? So you've got pastors of really big churches having moral failings or uh, character issues or um, just just things that are unbecoming of a minister, um, things that are, are not above reproach, as Paul would say, um, that keep happening in these really large churches with, with seemingly good leaders. So... His question was, why does this keep happening, number one? Um, and his other question was, um, who plays a part in it? Like, who plays a part in putting these people in power and putting these people in in highlighted roles of ministry? Who plays a part in getting them in the pulpit and keeping them in the pulpit? Um, and so my my analysis from the outside is, and I'm, I'm by no means a, a genius or, or a guru to have it all figured out, yeah. Um, but my analysis is is that we put people in position based on their gifts versus their character. Hmm. So if somebody walks into a church and they're really charismatic and we see them for a couple months and they're really starting to serve and you notice that they have gifts, you want to put them in a position almost too fast for me um, instead of evaluating their character over time. Hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a question. Um, and I'll let you guys kind of, kind of give me your take on it. But that's my take on it. So, what do you? Number one, why did why do you feel this keeps happening? Number two, um, why are we so drawn to people that are so charismatic? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think off the bat, I'll answer your first question, and then maybe we can get into the second question as we continue to flesh this out. <clears throat> um, why well, I think that you're on the right track, right of of considering the character before you consider the charisma. Um, And I'll tell a little bit of my story, um, and maybe that'll help to give a little context of the conversation. So my story is is that um, someone looked at me when I was probably like six months into really giving my life over to Jesus when I was 17. Someone looked at me and they said, uh, you're called to preach. And I was like, I don't know what that means. What is what is that? Um, I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and at the time, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe this could be for me. Um, and so I was given a couple opportunities to preach. I was just stealing sermons off the internet um, <laughs> and just stealing people's personalities. And then when I, and the moment the microphone was in my hand, I became that person. Um, but I genuinely 
enjoyed and um, I would say felt the most alive I'd ever felt when I was preaching these sermons. Um, and I think that was the beginning of me starting to understand uh, what a call to preach looks like as I yeah. as I got into college because I then went to I went to school for ministry. Um, as I was in college, I was given multiple opportunities to serve, and every time I served, I really really enjoyed it. But there was this there was this thing that kept happening where I, I this was so consistent in my life where I would I would go forward in in some way in ministry. I'd get this opportunity. I would I would have this moment to get to serve, and I would I would go farther than I had before. And then um, before I knew it, there was something that popped up about me personally or about my, my own spiritual walk where it was kind of a red flag of like, hey, maybe you should slow down. Yeah. Um, and this just cycle just kept repeating for, I'd say, for probably four to five years. Um, and it wasn't until this January um, when I was about to be put in a leadership role at this church um, when uh, it came up, hey, there's, there's some stuff in your life that still needs to be matured, yeah. um, that you still need to grow in. And so had the brakes really seriously pumped on me, um, almost not even almost, to a complete halt. It yeah. wasn't like the car was still going and like we were just tapping the brakes, like the, the e-brake was on. We Tokyo drifted that thing into a stop. And... Um, at the Tokyo theme drift song, the Tokyo drift theme song playing in my head now. Uh, it's amazing. If you haven't listened to the Tokyo drift theme song anytime recently, go do that. Stop the podcast. Go listen to that right now. Anyways, um, so uh, I was put a complete stop. And what has happened in this, um, I would say, ten months since about January has been a continual refining and reminding me of what matters most. Um, and that is that you submit to Jesus and enjoy him and, um, and that you, you don't get puffed up in, in thinking that this is, this is on you. I think I had a big hero complex. I think I, I thought I could save any, save any day and solve any problem. Um, and how foolish and how haughty, right? And, um, and I'm not talking Scotty too haughty. I'm talking haughty in the, the sinful way. Yeah. Um, I look at like so First Timothy three. We're, we'll probably get into the qualifications for an overseer, but yeah. I think about like he must not be a recent convert, verse six, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Yeah. And like I was pretty new in terms of following <laughs> Jesus, and I was a pretty recent real convert, I would say. Yeah. And uh, and someone was like, "You should do this right now." Um, now, granted, this is the, the qualification for an overseer, not necessarily for some you know seventeen year old kid who's going to come preach to your middle schoolers. Um, but at the same time, I think if they would have considered more my my spiritual development, more so than the way that I could just be used by God, because there's this temptation, right? Of like, and I'm talking a lot, and I'll stop it here in a second. But there's a temptation of of seeing, okay, we have this need that needs to be filled. There's yeah. this opening, right? Yeah. Let me plug this guy in here who seems like he could do it. Yeah. Instead yeah. of let me just keep this guy in the wings for a little bit of time. Yeah. Let's let him grow. Let's let him marinate in the word. Let's let him uh, like an incubator get get grown up in yeah. his faith instead of let's just see because there's so much, especially in certain circles of like, you need to be used by God, used by God, used mm-hmm. by God. And it's like you need to just enjoy God <laughs> and you need to love him. Yeah. And good. in loving him then you will rightfully be used by him, but yeah. it doesn't work as well the other way around. And so those are some of my initial thoughts on that, Sundar. Kind of what do you think about? Yeah, I think kind of going off of something you said about how we, we feel like 
we have this need to fill this gap in the life mm-hmm. of the local church. I think that's something we, we all struggle with a lot in churches all across um, the United States specifically where we we see this gap we need to fill. We see this ministry position we have available. Mm-hmm. And we push this, I think, in our consumeristic mindset, kind of that like we're like we're trying to put on this production. Yeah. We're trying to build up these ministries. Yeah. We're yeah. trying to make this as good as it can possibly be. And so we take that and we're like, oh, like, I mean, Let's take worship ministry, for example, and this happens all the time. We need a drummer. We need a bass player, mm-hmm. and we don't have one. Mm-hmm. The temptation is to find the, pers- pers- the first yes. person you see, and With you're like, talent. do you play drums? Right, right. Let's plug you in right now. Yeah. But we do that sometimes so quickly without mm-hmm. regard to their character. Yeah. And I think that kind of falls into the category of just identifying our struggle with waiting. Yes, And trusting wow. God's timing wow. to bring the right people at the right time. Yeah. Um, in, instead of saying, like, we want this great ministry with these perfect leaders right now, yeah. where our mindset needs to be, let's wait and let's let God build this yeah. ministry. Yeah. And let's devote ourselves to discipleship first and foremost. And yeah. I would say my approach to ministry has been the healthiest it's ever been by the grace of God because I've been forced to wait. Yeah. I've been forced to wait. And so not only do we struggle to wait in terms of our ministries, if let's say I'm already a pastor and I see I need this spot filled yeah. and, I, and I want this to be done, and then we're impatient there. Yeah. But on the flip side, what about in my own personal walk? Mm-hmm. My struggle with my own waiting on the grace of God to put me in that position yeah. is going to make me do things like walk into every room I can and try to impress people so that they mm-hmm. want me in there and they yeah. want to they want to hear me talk and all this stuff. And so we can get in real trouble when we just struggle to wait on our own accord, waiting yeah. for God to build us up. Um, sure. yeah. So, Yeah, I think – the other part of, of what Sundar highlighted was discipleship. Um, and I think it's something that we lack in the local church. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a need to elevate before they're discipled. Mm-hmm. And I think it causes a lot of problems because what you do is you put this person in a position of power without knowing them as a person walking through life with them. So you don't know how they're going to respond to certain things. And when you see certain things pop up, you're going, I didn't see that before. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't wait more than two <laughs> weeks to plug them <laughs> right, in. So right. like, what do you mean you didn't see that before? Like, absolutely yeah. you didn't see that before because you didn't wait but two weeks. So like, there's this there's this problem with like, we think, and, and it's true, right? The disciples were with Jesus for, for three years, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's this process that we don't want to go through and it is waiting, but we act like discipleship isn't, isn't refining either. Mm -hmm. Um, where we act like we can't do anything for that person, Mm -hmm. but like you existing in the same space with that person doing life with that person is because Jesus, the greatest gift that Jesus gave the church was each other. Like he he gave us each other Mm -hmm. in order for us to keep our lives upright and in the position that they needed to go. It was the Holy spirit. Right. But other than that, it's it's each other. We hold each other accountable. We keep each other up. We check in on each other. We we make sure that we're on the right path. And so I think we we have two needs, right? We need to wait, but we also need discipleship, and we need solid discipleship. Because yeah. you're asking men to lead without giving them an idea of what leading in manhood looks like, but you're just plugging them in. They're just mm-hmm. going for it. So number one, I don't know what it looks like for you to be a man and for you to lead. Number two... I don't know what it looks like for you to shepherd effectively. Mm-hmm. I don't know your family at that point. I don't know your story behind that. Like, I don't I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what you're going with. But, um, and we'll, we'll jump back into into 1 Timothy. Um, I, I started thinking about this probably like two weeks ago when yeah. I read through the qualifications of a pastor. And I'm, I'm looking at Paul Wright, 
and I'll let you read it in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking at Paul Wright and I'm going, man, this is like 98% character. And <laughs> yeah, 2%, yeah, yeah, for sure. 2%. And ever since you uh, brought that up, charisma. it's just been messing with me. <laughs> I wish you would have never said it. I wish you would have never, I wish you would have shut your mouth <laughs> because, because you're right, right? Yeah. Let, like, let's, let's read it. Um, yeah. 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all his dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Um, I want to just start with verse 1, thinking about this idea of the one who aspires to the office of overseer, or um, I'm of the belief that overseer, pastor, elder, these are all interchangeable terms in Scripture. Um, He desires a noble task. Um, What? Do we think of the task as noble as it is? Hmm. Um, and I say that in the sense that that um, if you want a noble task to be done, you need a noble person to do it. Yeah. And I look at my own life in the last few years, and I would not describe it as necessarily noble. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call myself a noble man. Um, and and yet, uh, there's this there's this emphasis on programming. Before there is people, yeah, right? yeah. and um, and so we want the the person to match up to the programming, yeah. more so than allowing our programming to match up with our people that we That's have. Yeah. Um, and so there's this task. Let's just say, not talking about the lay person. Let's talk about the person who says, "I'm called to ministry." <laughs> yeah. There's this task that's noble. How do we start looking at the task as more noble? Because um, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Yes, we could say. Um, you know, people probably aren't as we probably put way too much char- uh, emphasis on character and not as much emphasis. Let me reverse uh, charisma. that. We put yeah. too much emphasis on charisma and not off on character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, does it help to start with understanding that the task is noble? I and think I, so. Yeah. I think definitely. Again, like Terry was saying, everything here is almost character based. Mm-hmm. And I think about the leaders that I look up to mm-hmm. in the church, and I think of like. For instance, there are many people who I think are great preachers, mm-hmm, yeah. but then I look at other people and I'm like, "You're my favorite pastor, or mm. you're a pa- you're an admirable admirable pastor," um, because I look at your life, I look at your character, and it always comes back to me looking at someone. I'm like, "You're my favorite pastor because of your character, mm-hmm, because I see yeah. your humility, yeah. I see your I see how you relate to people, mm-hmm. I see how you shepherd people." Yeah. Um, and I've seen again people who are really great at preaching, but then their character just doesn't seem to yeah. match almost sometimes what they preach. Yeah. But yeah. then I see the people that actually just focus on the character aspects, and at that point I'm like, maybe they're not the greatest preacher, maybe they're not the greatest speaker, mm-hmm. but their character is someone yeah. They care. They have a character that I'm like. I want to aspire to be like this person. But and mm-hmm. I look up to this person. I'll ask, who's the person that you call at 11:30 p.m. at night when you're mm-hmm. in a, in the pickle? Do you call yeah. the guy who preaches really well, mm-hmm. or do you call the yeah. guy who's yeah. 
who's just been walking with you, caring exactly. about you, checking yeah, in. Yeah. Who do you call, right? right. Mm-hmm. You call, you you call, call the your, shepherd. Yeah, because you yeah. you're a you sheep call the in need of help. Been discipling. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I think starting with um, viewing it as noble is really important. Number one, um, because I think Jesus would, mm-hmm. right? So we, you, you'll read through Matthew and, and you get to Jesus. The only time that Jesus describes himself. Um, and it is gentle and lowly. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's a lot different than a really engaging speaker and really powerful motivator of people. Yeah. Wow. Um, which is which is kind of what we look for first, I yeah. think, in a lot of our churches yeah. is, man, this guy's got to be a really good communicator and he's yeah. really got to be able to lead people. What about gentle and lowly? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if we start with, hey, this is a noble task and then look at the person who we're basing this off of and look at how he described wow. himself and it's gentle and lowly, then we should we should kind of shift our are thinking on what we want first and foremost in a pastor overseer. That's so good. I think about what Tim Ross said. Tim Ross said that um, he was he was talking about what his mama told him one time, and his mama said to him, Tim, just remember that no matter how high Jesus takes you, you will always be at his feet. Mm. And yeah. um, no matter how high in pastoral ministries any of us might um, get to, the reality is, is we are but at the feet yeah. of Jesus. Like we think we're doing, if we think we're noble men, look at the most noble man, the good shepherd. Who what does he do? He lays down his life for his sheep. Yeah. Um, I think we forget that such a large part of this whole ministry thing is just being the chief dire, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the chief yeah. dead man, right? Uh-huh. Like the one who's willing to crucify himself over and over and over again. The most because we are we are following in the steps of the good shepherd who lays down his life yeah. for his sheep. Um, and and the good shepherd brings abundant life. But how do you get to that abundant life? Well, you have to die first. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we've, we've given so many people, and I've been given so many positions before I was ready to die, before I was ready mm-hmm. to let, let Devin completely go. I'll tell you, it was the best thing in my entire life so far to get – to get stopped from being put in a ministry position yeah. because it, I was so sad in January and I'm sitting there and I'm wrestling with myself. Yeah. I'm going, why are you the way you are? <laughs> I just go, yeah. De- Devin, you've done it again, bro. What's the problem here? And it wasn't God yeah. and it yeah. wasn't my church. Mm-hmm. It was me. Yeah. And when I get to the point where I look in the mirror and I say, I have to change or else none of this is going to work. Yeah. yeah. Then I then here's what's cool. I don't go, well, let me just figure this out. Yeah, let me try harder. Let me try harder. Yeah. Because because when I get to the point of having nothing, I recognize there's nothing to draw from to try harder. Yeah. And so what do I do? I just go, okay, God, change me. Yeah. All right, you're the yeah. friend of sinners. Be my friend here because yeah. oh, I need one. I need one so bad right now. Yeah. Um, or, or else I'm not going to make it. And so and so um, we find that the task is most noble when we die the, in, in the great, to the greatest degree. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we, we, we're looking for people, and I think God is looking for people. And I think he knows who they are already, but, but God is looking in us for, for that, that willingness to die. And in, fi- and in dying, we will actually find the greatest life in our ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to highlight, or I want to circle back to something Sundar said. Um, because he said, man, some of the people that I look up to have, have better character than they do communication skills. Mm-hmm. How often do we choose that guy, though? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like when, we're, when, you, when you line up prospects as a search committee at a church, like yeah. how often do we pick in the person with the best character over communication skill? 
Hmm. Honestly, I <laughs> yeah, I just I can't even think of an instance right. where first and foremost the person was like, "All right, let's just find the most someone who has just devoted their life to pure discipleship mm-hmm. yeah. and to being discipled." Again, like you said, it's always who can preach well, yeah. Yeah. who who know who even knows the Bible so yeah. well that they can just pull um, depths of meaning from Scripture and yeah. explain it in such a way that's articulate. Um, easy to understand. Um, that's um, that's able to be communicated well. Yeah. Um, but then we we miss out again on so much of the yeah. character there, and it's not something we look for. And we're honest because we're so stuck in this mindset of just trying to perfect our ministries, yeah. perfect our staff. Yeah. And I've seen that. Um, occur in so many different churches that I've been a part of mm. where a greater emphasis was put on the ministry yeah. and yeah. the staff than discipleship. And it's hard, especially if you're someone who's looking for a church and you're just looking for a place to be involved and you know participate in the life of the local church. It's really hard to see that up front yeah. sometimes. It's really hard to see past um, the picture that yeah. is presented. The pizzazz. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But then once you start really trying to serve in the church, I think that's really where you start to see mm-hmm. character come out. Yeah. When yeah. you start mm-hmm. serving with people, when you start getting involved, when you start getting into the mess of discipleship, yeah. um, getting into the depths of it, I think that's when we see character come out. That's yeah. when we see how people respond to situations. Yeah. And that's when we see what the priority truly is. Yeah. I think... Um, I'll use our pastor as an example just to to honor him in a way. I think, um, you know, you kind of get worried like the more – sometimes I, I wonder, the, the more I get to know this person, will I will I be more drawn to them? And I think – so I, I got to sit down with Pastor Aaron, and by the end of our conversation, I was far more um, thankful that he was my pastor yeah. than, than I was beforehand because mm-hmm. I was like, this guy is sweeter than I thought he was. He's kinder than I thought he yeah. was even, right? Yeah. Um, and that's – that's something special. It's, it'd be a shame, like if I was if I was leading a, a program of some sort in a church, and someone like is watching the program, and they're like, "I want to be a part of that," and then they come and they ask if they can serve, and then they serve first week, and I'm like barking out orders, and yeah. I'm like, yeah. they get real close to me, and they're like, "This guy's kind of mean. Right. Like yeah. he's not nice. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of a jerk. Like yeah. what a shame that would be hmm. if the closer that we draw to the flock, the more the flock wants to run away. Exactly. Um, and yeah. so. I just pray that we're the kind of of men who the closer you get to us, um, the more you're like that guy looks like Jesus, yeah, because um, mm-hmm. that's what really matters. Uh, we we circle down um, to just a couple of these of these character characteristics above reproach, the mm-hmm. husband of one wife, so faithfulness, right, in yep. in his in his um, relationship, sober minded, uh, self controlled, yeah, respectable, hospitable, yeah, and then here is one kind of ability you need yeah. to have if you're going to be in, in pastoral ministry, and that is the ability to teach. And I think this is the main distinction between uh, what the overseer does and what the deacon does. Hmm. And I think that's why Paul adds what he does here at the end of he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up because there's something that happens to you the more you teach the more you start to think this is on me. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of running this thing. Like, I'm mm-hmm. crushing it. Yeah. And so Paul... Here at the end, he said, hey, you're going to be teaching if you're a pastor. I think every pastor should be a preacher. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, and, and if that's going to be the case, be a, be careful that, that you're not coming into this too soon because you're you're likely to be puffed up in a conceit. And he, th- he gets serious here and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Hmm. Um, and so it's a serious 
weighty task to be able to preach and teach because um, alongside of it comes this this temptation for pride that this is on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything y'all want to add there? Not there, but I am. Gonna okay. start, I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna highlight two other things. Love it. So not you got anything to add? Nope. Yeah. Stop me if you want. Uh, not a drunkard. Not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. Not a lover of mm-hmm. money. He must manage his own household well. So this is kind of like another ability, if you will. Mm-hmm. With all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Um, it's it's um, it's weird, too, that he adds at the end, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not mm-hmm. fall into disgrace. Yeah. You yeah. kind of want to add something there, Make Terry? kind of nervous? Yeah, yeah. A little bit, right? <laughs> like, like, wait a second. What is like, the, what why would you care about what outsiders yeah, think? Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's weird. Um, I think, I think personally, Paul throws this in uh, because we're really, it's really easy to show up at church on Sundays and put on a face, mm. right? But when somebody sees you uh, with a flat tire on the side of the road and you're kicking your car, yeah, yeah, yeah. they can see a lot more about you than they <laughs> yes. do on a Sunday morning. So it's, it, it's not a, you want outsiders to love you so much that like these people want you in the church as well. It's, it's that outsiders see you and they, they can't say anything bad about you. Because you've yeah. been consistent you, throughout, yeah, yeah, every time that they've interacted with yeah. you, and I think that's a rare, that's a rare thing yeah. in in larger churches. Because even staff will tell you, like, yeah, I had a meeting with him once, and he kind of yelled at me, and we kind of right. went on about our stuff, and yeah. you know, the gospel got preached the next week, so I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like, so like, it's all we okay. Had 10 people get saved on Sunday, right? You're like, God's yeah. still moving here, so I'm still here. Uh, he might be a jerk some days, but you know, overall, it goes well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think that should be more of a red flag and probably should be something that we bring up more in the selection process of of who we appoint to that position. Um, only because I want, I want people outside of my church. uh, I want people in the community outside of my church, not in the flock to still think well of you because you're consistent all the way through, not because you're one person here and a different person there. Yeah. That's good. And that's something that's been really tested in my own life, uh, as all I work in now is the outside world. Yeah. My, my job is so inherently secular. My job is also somewhat inherently vain, right? Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a CrossFit coach. And so it's like I have to find this consistency of my walk that I didn't necessarily have to find or search for as hard when I was just working and serving in a church. Yeah. Um, because now there's not the question of, well, how do you respond when um, the meeting about uh, the next prayer group isn't going so good. It's like, well, you could probably manage that pretty well. Right. It's a question of, well, how do you respond when this person who doesn't care about Jesus and really doesn't care about you is now looking you dead in your face and lying at you for the sake of getting a membership for cheaper, whatever it looks yeah. like, right? Like, yeah. then how do you respond? Right. Um, and so I'm not saying that this is mandatory, but I think it's good for, for every person considering ministry um, to take some time and, 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 and get outside of the church, yeah. serve people yeah. when yeah. people are all you care about. <laughs> and you don't care about bringing them into your church um, so you can add more members. Because yeah. I'll tell you, it's really, really easy at 9.15 a.m. on a Sunday morning to see a new person walk up and for the next 15 minutes to give them the best 15 minutes of their life. Yeah. But it's a lot harder when you see the same person who's stubborn and yeah. doesn't want to listen to you about the gospel. You see them every 9 a.m. for a class, mm-hmm. and, and, and they're just continuing to be the way they are. And, and yeah. it's no longer 15 minutes. It's yeah. like 15 months of seeing yeah. them, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference there. And so yeah. it really has helped me to every morning say, okay, Jesus, 
make me into your image. Like I want yeah. Jesus live your life through me. Yeah. Right. Um, and I just want to kind of throw this out there to you guys and because because a majority of the people, if they're going to listen to this podcast, are going to be like, well, I don't really feel called to ministry mm-hmm. per se. Yeah. So I think this podcast could be helpful for two reasons. Number one, you see, well, maybe we should look for this in our pastors a little bit more than we do. And we should expect yeah. this, right? That's number one. But number two is, how do I live if I'm not called to ministry? How does mm-hmm. how does a, a text like 1 Timothy 3 mm-hmm. apply to my personal life? Um, any thoughts you guys have there on that? You want to go first? <laughs> they're they're playing tag right now. Tag your it, tag your it. Um, Sundar's it. Yeah, Sundar's it. Okay. What are some thoughts you have? Um, sorry, can you repeat the question. Yeah, I'll, I'll repeat the question. I might even I might even talk a little bit more because I, okay. I like to do that. Um, how does this apply to the person who just is not okay. really yeah, called yeah. to ministry? So, okay, oh, you, you you're on. Okay. You're on. So tag your it again. I think first and foremost, we must recognize that we are all called to ministry in some form or fashion. Wow, that's good. I think first and foremost, we have to recognize that every single one of us has been created by God to worship Him. Wow. Yeah. That is what we are called to do um, here on earth, and it's what we will spend eternity doing when we are with Him in glory one day. Mm-hmm. And Jesus gave us the mission right before He ascended into heaven to go, therefore, and to make disciples of all nations. Yeah. Each and every single one of us are called yeah. to be disciple makers. Yeah. So we are participating in ministry just right off the bat with yep. this yeah. call that we have been given. We yeah. are all called to minister with the gospel to other people, no yeah. matter what, yep. regardless of so whether you're a plumber, whether you're a school teacher, whether yeah. you are a worship leader at church. We are all called yeah. to go make disciples and minister to people in that yes. way. Yes, it's what we were made exactly. for. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think it's first recognizing that we were all called to ministry in the sense of we were all called to the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And then we start asking ourselves, okay, am I called to vocational ministry mm-hmm. or am I called to, again, you know, just ministering to people yeah. regardless of what vocation I'm in? Because that absolutely is true across board no matter what. Mm-hmm. If you are a plumber, you can share the gospel yeah. with people. You know, Maybe you're going to someone's house and you're fixing someone's toilet. You could spark conversation. You yeah. can share the gospel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, as a teacher, you're building relationships you with like, students. You could be like, man, you know, this poop sure does stink. So does your sin in the sight of God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where when we're deciding, okay, am I supposed to be in ministry beyond simply maybe a vocation outside of the yeah. church? Mm-hmm. That's when we have to start asking ourselves, okay, you know, maybe that's where we start looking at maybe spiritual gifts, maybe in a sense, not always, yeah. but asking yourself, what are you passionate about? Yeah. What mm-hmm. do you want to do? Um, like, I know for me, like, I'm passionate about worship ministry. Yeah. Um, I yeah. do think that God has um, given me gifts, again, not because of myself in any way. And I see this, especially looking back in my childhood, how I hated piano lessons. My parents <laughs> yeah, yeah. forced me to take them. Yeah, um, and I hated it. But then as I just started getting involved with worship ministry. Grace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as I started getting involved with worship ministry at the church, though, piano then became something that I needed yes, and I yeah. clung to. Yeah. Uh, but that's, again, God's grace um, really early on in my childhood, yeah, just yeah. giving me that and then using it mm-hmm. um, and turning it into a passion of mine. And so for me, I'm like, I have this passion for music, for worship music, yeah. um, to be able to connect with Christ in that way and to be able to help other people connect with Christ through the musical worship as well. And so that's where I think maybe we can evaluate our gifts mm. and we can be like, maybe, you know, can I use this gift to serve the church full time or part time, whatever that may look like. Yeah. Yeah. That's so but good. But again, I think that's it's understanding, um, again, recognizing your first calling is to make disciples no matter what, and that is your first and foremost ministry. Yes. And then recognizing, yeah. okay, 
do I want to do this in the life of the local church vocationally, mm-hmm. or do I want to do this outside of the local church yeah. and actually yeah. have greater opportunities yeah. to reach culture <laughs> a lot of times, and yeah. reach other people? Because yeah. I will say, coming from my perspective right now, I I work here at at the local church, and that's my only job, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that's the only experience I'm having with people, pretty mm-hmm. much. Whereas, you know, maybe someone like you who yeah. works at a CrossFit gym, you're engaging with people outside of the church all the time, yeah. and you have more opportunities. Well, thankfully, they're all saved because so. of your vocation. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, Every single one. But then one of them. you have more opportunities in that setting to engage with mm-hmm. non-believers than I do when mm-hmm. my only vocation is working inside the local church. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so so Paul says uh, the work of the minister is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, which means there's ministry that takes place outside of church, so right? Yeah. The most important thing isn't worship that's gathered, it's worship that scatters, where mm-hmm. people go out and be missionaries. Say that again. Say that again. The, the most, most important, important thing, thing is not is, worship is that not gathers. Worship that's gathered. It's worship that's scattered where people go out and be missionaries, right? Say that. Because, because without it, you don't have anything to come back together and celebrate, right? Like. Mm. What are you celebrating if everybody <laughs> in the room's already saved? Yeah, if he's bringing people into the flock and they're getting baptized that week, then we got we got a lot to celebrate, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so I think it's really important that we go. Hey, everybody's called to ministry, mm. right? Whether it's vocational here at church for forty hours a week or not, like we're all called to ministry. And honestly, in my own life, I feel like I did way more ministry when I didn't work here, mm. um, because I was just walking with families through struggles, and yeah. it was. Yeah awesome like it was the best thing i've ever done with my life and they they were the most sanctifying three years of my life like i have never been more sanctified than when i had to wait a kid out in a park for an hour because he wouldn't stand up and walk (laughs) yeah 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 but i don't bet you got patience i got a ton of patience right (laughs) three years prior i would have lost my temper on that kid picked him up put him over my shoulder and forced him into the car like but as you as you walk through life with other people you go all right this is what we're doing today. Yeah. Um, mm. This is this is a struggle today, right? And and when your kid doesn't want to wake up and go to school, and you've got to have somebody there at eight o'clock in the morning, you're like, yep. all right, it's another day of sanctification. Let's do yeah. this. Um, and so it was, it was really those were the most sanctifying years of my life. We're working outside of the church, um, and so I think if we overlook the opportunities outside, then we miss we miss a lot of gospel opportunities. Dude, yeah, so good. I think sure. both of you are hitting on a really key idea, and that's this: serve God where you are. Yeah, wherever God has placed you, be on placed fire. You to serve. Yeah. Go hard mm-hmm. in terms of 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 um, being gracious and merciful and kind and yeah. sweet to people and praying for them and talking to them. Get in their life, no matter yeah. where you are. And, and it's not to say. And here's what we have to be careful of: it's it, we are not saying that to work in a church is not as good right. for your gospel opportunity. Yeah. We're also not saying that to not work in a church mm-hmm. is not as good for your gospel opportunity. Yeah. We're saying that that God has placed you where he has for a purpose. Yeah. Serve him with reckless abandon. Yeah. Be, it's that God is at work everywhere. Like there everywhere. isn't a place where he isn't at work. So you got a coworker walking into church who needs prayer, go for it, man. Yeah. It's still a gospel opportunity. Yeah, sure. You got yes. a family that's struggling through raising a kid with autism and that's an opportunity. Yes. Go for yeah. it. Yes. And and Yes, because what's the tagline that Jesus finishes Matthew 28 with? I'm with you always. Mm-hmm. The end, yeah. Always. No matter where your way goes, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm walking with you closely. Yeah. So go with that kind of confidence that exactly. the resurrection power of Jesus is with you. And every day, wake up and say, Jesus, make me more self-control, more sober-minded, more respectable, hospitable. God, yeah. help me if you call me to teach. Make me less uh, given over to love of money. Jesus, help me because I know that you've placed me in this spot for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I want to serve you to to the calling that you've given me. And that's to go and make disciples 
everywhere. Everywhere. Um, And so um, there's, there's, so much wisdom in in First Timothy three, and it should make yeah. us mm-hmm. tremble. If especially if we're called to vocational ministry and we're yeah. called to be overseers, we should tremble before the feet of Jesus and say, "That's not me, God. Help me, help yeah. me." I think that's me sometimes, but honestly, the times where I think that's the most me is probably the times that I have the most pride. Yeah. And so, God, kill my pride, right. yeah. kill my desire to be comfortable, kill that, God, so that I might find life in you. Yeah. I think our greatest prayer, if you want to go into ministry vocationally full-time as a pastor, I think your greatest prayer should be um, that that God would work everything out of you that is you, mm-hmm. right? Because everything that is you is not going to do good work. <laughs> so uh, yeah. It just does not, it yeah. does not produce yeah. for the kingdom. It produces for itself and it produces to puff up. It mm. produces to want to be something. And so yeah. your, your greatest prayer should be, Hey, would you kill the part of me that wants to be something that wants to be remembered? Right. So really early desert father. Um, and I, I don't remember who he was, puh, but Kierkegaard. Puh, um, uh, Patricus or whatever his name was? No, that's a different one. Oh, okay. Early, oh, early yeah, church yeah. father. Okay, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. There are a lot of them. Um, Terry was but, talking about um, monks a week ago. So. I was, yeah. The monastic handbook to combating demons was a really good book. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, Kierkegaard wrote about him, and his, he said the only thing that I remembered from him was what he said last, and he said, I want to preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Like, I don't want anybody, <laughs> I don't want anybody wow. to remember anything wow. that I wow. did. I want them to remember the gospel and carry that forward, because whether my name goes with it or not, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't Jesus matter. is the only thing that matters. Yeah. Matter. Um, That's good. And then I'll uh, I'll kind of close this out. But yeah. uh, Tim Keller had a really good uh, had a really good podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about uh, somebody asked him how he's sustained himself for so long in ministry without any like gigantic scandals or anything because because they're a big you know Redeemer's a big church they yeah. planted over Tim Keller's been writing books now. for a long time yeah and Redeemer's planted over 60 something churches city to city also has 60 something churches planted in it so it's like it he's done a good work and he goes um he goes how do you sustain it how do you like how does this happen without any humongous scandal on the other side and he goes man it's it's communion with God yeah it is it's really he goes it's really easy to hide from my accountability partners it's really easy to hide from people who want to hold me accountable it's really hard to hide from my wife and my kids hmm. and so the number one thing that that he said was it's communion with God it is my ability to communicate with the creator of the universe to pray to him and to pray for him to remove things from my life and then it is to walk out of that room look at my life and go i want to do this well for your sake yeah because like sundar said earlier we were made for this yeah and what we were what the this is is not good stuff on this earth it's not being big and important yeah it's not making a lot of money it's none of that the this that we were made for is to enjoy god Mm -hmm. to commune with god and to just be known and loved fully completely yeah Yeah. if we can start there man we can have some long lasting loving lives that where we're better at 70 (laughs) than we were at 23 yeah man it'll it started in a garden it'll end in a garden and it will it will and And then the best part of that garden is god yep let us remember that let us remember that the best part is god um let me pray for everybody on the pod super quick and uh we'll go from there oh jesus Make us uh, holy like you are. We are not, and you are, and you are powerful enough to change us. And so I pray, God, that your resurrection power would flow uh, in our lives in such a way where people take note. And God, we are given opportunity to talk about the great God who saved us, the great God who makes dead things come back to life, and the God who takes broken things and makes them whole. You are everything we were made for. I pray we would never forget that. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.